Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Billy B.J. Jones, and this is Nadine Tepsch, and we're the Fright Talk guys, and we're here with you tonight for Fright Talk for our final episode of 2020. So thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Today is December 18, 2020, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in America, and wherever you are listening, whether it be live or to the podcast, you know, after it's archived, we thank you for your continued support. If at any time you'd like to speak to us during this live podcast, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy and would prefer instead to email or inbox or direct message your messages or questions or inquiries, you can do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com, or we have a third one, which is my dear brother here, Nadim. His Instagram is available. It is ntabsh, N-T-A-B-S-C-H. Look it up and message him as well with your questions, comments, or requests. And tonight's episode, and I'll read from our description, it is as, it is as follows. Who's Krampus? Not even Christmas can escape the grips of horror. I mean, this incredible legend and we're super excited to to really kick off the season with it. What do you think, Nadim? Well, we when you you named this one again. See, Nadim is our like incubator of ideas here, folks. <laughs> we have a little secret here because Nadim can like kick off like he just pops off these ideas of all kinds of shows and things, and it's super cool. But Krampus is so appropriate. Would you say, Nadim? I think so, absolutely. And by the way, thank you, thank you. I only feed ideas off of you. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, it's like you said, nothing, you know, horror touches all aspects of life and holidays. And Christmas mm-hmm. is not to be excluded, even though a lot of people would like to because it's so, let's call it wholesome. But yes, uh, uh, even though it may be wholesome, there is a lot of lore that goes along with it. And Krampus is one of those just truly fabulous stories of imagination and and scare and uh i don't know mild entertainment to be honest with you (laughs) you know when we were doing our we always do our homework on some of the topics that all the topics that we focus on here but we also want to make sure that we're able to give out legitimate information to our listeners so we're not we don't claim to be experts in all the things we hear we're just enthusiasts like many of you and when and whenever something piques our interest, we go and explore. But as we were doing our research on this one, I, I, I was telling Nadim a, a while back how funny even the, the caricatures or pictures <laughs> of this character, Krampus, how funny it is that even in Christmas, Nadim, we get a horrifying <laughs> entity or character. No, I mean, the, of all the holidays, and, and ironically, 
then again, it makes sense. Think about this. Also, Christmas is a religious holiday. It has strong religious ties, but yet it is so secular in so many ways around the globe. So whether you're right. religious or not, people enjoy the holidays, one of the most celebrated holidays around the, around the globe. And so for you, as a historian, and I know that you know the story as well, Krampus is a very funny, quick, legendary piece. Mind to share it? <laughs> yeah, well, Krampus has been around a little over a century. Okay, it started in Germany. And the story of Krampus is pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, Krampus itself, the description, which the most common description is, you see this half goat, half demon type um, entity. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, the, the goat portion comes because, you know, the the black goat, people mm-hmm. see it and they associate that with, you know, the devil. And so that's where that portion comes in. But as the story goes, um, Krampus would travel with St. Nick. St. Nick would visit every home of every child around the world, but Krampus would be with him. And as St. Nick would reward the good kids, Krampus would take the bad ones. So (laughs) I think somewhere along the line where, when Christmas became, you know, years ago, even more and more commercialized, I think they substituted Krampus for coal in the stocking because Mm. that's a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more passable than kidnapping as the, as the lore goes. And then, of course, there's, there's various other, you know, there's the, the Krampus is the anti-Santa. He is the, the polar opposite. They're always at odds. But the, the gist of it would be that it's actually the yin to the yang of Santa. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking here at, at the BBC website, um, and there's an art section, and I, I'm just, and this is dated for, um, December 14, 2017. The article is titled Dark Christmas, and, it, and it, it features who's number one? Krampus. And here's something funny as the pull quote. I got to read this. He rips out girls' pigtails and beats children with birch branch. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He beats them with switches. I forgot about that. Yes, yes. He beats him with <laughs> I think Krampus is either Latin or black. I'm sorry. Bring it out. Branches. And this, is, this is hilarious. And, and, and the picture, these poor little children being <laughs> sorry. You know I just think it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, that, was, that was terrible. But, you know, here's the thing. Let me Remember, we were talking about this before the show, Billy, and I said, I said, you know, if you think about it, is it's the story is just as ridiculous as perhaps the Santa, the St. Nick story that we believe that's been commercialized. True, this obese true. man that can fit down any size chimney, <laughs> even homes that don't have chimney, he somehow breaks in. He has this sack full of presents for every child in the world, and he has the reindeer flying him around. I mean, if you look at them, compare them side by side, you say to yourself, I don't know, maybe, you know, is Krampus more believable than Santa? What do you think, Billy? It's more believable than Santa. You know what? I now I understand why they're like the yin and the yang, <laughs> because it's true. I mean, think about this. We we it, it, as children, no strangers can come to your house, but yet Santa can. I mean, wait, wait a minute. Where did that go wrong here? And no, folks, we're not dissing the Santa tradition. We loved our childhoods, and yes, we were we we welcomed the the tradition within our lives. But as you become older and you start recognizing the world for what it is, you start seeing what is, is. 
and I find that the story itself is quite funny. I thought it was a way to keep bad children in check. And so if you're yeah. a bad child, <laughs> if you're a bad child, Krampus is coming for you. And if you're a good child, the fat guy's going to bring you and leave you something. <laughs> so either one is going to take you or one or, or take you or beat you. And if you're a girl, it seems like the girl gets even more. The girl gets their, their pigtails ripped out. What is that about? So yeah, <laughs> everyone weird. is subjugating the girl. But here's something interesting. December 5th of each year, <clears throat> the article also states that December 5th, there's an actual Krampus run where people would dress up as Krampus and scare and creep people out on this run. And it now has become such a holiday that as of 20, uh, 2013, it made its way over here in America. And people are now doing the Krampus run here. I'm sure they're not doing it now with COVID, but it was becoming right. more popular here as well. So a very interesting tradition that started in Austria and Central Europe. And it also made for a really cool movie. I'm sure many of you, if you haven't listened to the last episode, you should go back and hear what Nadim had to say about Krampus origins, because he had a lot to say. <laughs> and so, but, and it's funny, I would rather... Think about this. I'd rather hear the, the version of what you just said, Nadine. The version that yeah. you just said of the origin of... I would like to see Krampus and Santa hanging out. Even if it were comedy or dark comedy, that'd actually be right. kind of cool, actually. They I agree with the matchup. Well, uh, again, because of COVID, I'm not sure if it's happening, but uh, in Orlando, there's a Krampus Knot, which is a Krampus festival. So there's a whole festival in Orlando wow, I didn't know that. dedicated to Krampus. It has become that popular. And yes, uh, listen, folks out there, as Billy mentioned, we absolutely love Christmas. We, we genuinely do. We love spending time with people we care about. We love giving the gifts. We love receiving the gifts. We, we just enjoy the time. But as Billy said, there's, you know, there's a little legend and myth to everything that, that we can celebrate as far as the holidays. And it's not discounting anything like that because we truly enjoy it. And it's not trying to uh, be hypocritical in any way because we absolutely do enjoy Christmas time and I genuinely enjoy Santa movies as well. You know, the theme of all the, of all the legends that exist, I think the Krampus one is one that's easy to grasp. It, there's yeah. not, it's not so heavy. It doesn't have this crazy origin where there's these, these different volumes, which to me then would make for great film or storylines today and folks were to take it a step further, it could create this dark side. Kind of like how you turned me on to Sabrina, uh, The Dark Adventures. Right, the dark, Sabrina. Right, right. Imagine yeah. if that storyline of Christmas or some of the characters right. of Christmas became very superhero-like or superhuman, and that became the story. That would be super cool to see because that hasn't been done yet. And, and definitely it would usher in a new wave of Christmas horror, to say the least, of what it could be, in, you know, from this point forward. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And there's so many, you know, we, we focus obviously on, on Santa Claus with Christmas, and uh, we're talking about Krampus, but there's, there's quite a bit of other lore and, and myths and legends that go around Christmas as well, as do for many of the holidays. Well, think about the, the idea of the New Year's. New Year's, you know, our, okay, thank you, Rudolph, or, or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the clay versions <laughs> of them. You know, the, right. you know, at the beginning of the year, the New Year is a baby, but by month 12 is an old man, right? So <laughs> so then I'm like, who is this? <laughs> you know, maybe he can hang out with Krampus and Santa. So there, there you know, so there are these storylines here. It's so fascinating how we personify these holidays, I guess. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Now, Billy, we do have quite a slew of questions mm-hmm. uh, that we need to get through. So I'm going to go ahead and just start firing one off at you, and okay. we can just kind of feed it back and forth. And as we always do for our wonderful listeners. Um, okay. This one's from Max, Billy. And Max, uh, he wants to know, or she, I'm not sure. The Krampus legend is interesting. How does it compare to the Tooth Fairy or Santa? So we already hmm. kind of talked about the comparison to Santa, but yeah. what about the Tooth Fairy? Well, the Tooth Fairy, well, I'll tell you this. All three of them, it echoes what Nadim said earlier. They all can come to your house without permission. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's Christmas, so you're welcome. So here you got the Tooth Fairy. She could just come anytime. In fact, I'm always wondering, could she arrive or you know, at the time of Christmas I mean, is is there some rule or some cardinal sin that the two you can't move oh. the two during Christmas because Santa has to be there or Grandpa's has to beat your behind? So there's this <laughs> they got, maybe they're cousins. I don't know, but the point is, I think the, they do compare in the sense that the tooth fairy gives a, a cheap gift. <laughs> Santa could give you a nice expensive <laughs> gift, and Krampus will give you the gift of a whooping. So I guess they all give you something. <laughs> <laughs> right. A different way. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember my mother telling me, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm hoping I'm not the only one that has been told this as a child, because I'm going to feel like I was had a really messed up upbringing. My mother told me that, like, <laughs> the tooth fairy was a, like a fairy mouse, or I guess I interpreted it as a rat that would, like, come and take the tooth <laughs> and leave mom money. And I'm like, wait a second, there's a rat? Or a mouse that's going to come into my room. I mean, I already lived in the project. It wasn't that unpassable to believe that there was mouses and rats around. <laughs> I'm not saying that I lived in squalor because I didn't. But uh, I don't know. Like the whole tooth fairy thing to me was just kind of like creepy. Because one thing is standing in the living room. And then there's another thing of somebody going under the pillow I'm sleeping on. Where you lay your head at. Where exactly. I lay my head to grab a tooth. Okay, because whatever the weirdo wants to do with my tooth and give me a dollar in return. And some years were a bit lean and I got a quarter for my tooth. <laughs> and see, and now take it, it, it relating that question back next to what Krampus said. I mean, what, your question about Krampus, how they compare. I think they all compare to this. They all build memories, you know, childhood memories of traditions that people can now look forward to. And for some strange reason, people still pass them on to their own children. And so for some reason, we know what reality is. We're not here to break any of those traditions. What we have to say is it's always nice to live in fantasy. And the world, as we can see it today, is it is what it is enough. It kind of is nice to have these dreams and fantasies and wishes and to always have that fascination of another being or reality that actually is interested in my own um, existence in some way. And so even if our parents were in, in cahoots with it, it's almost like, did they even sign an agreement or a contract? Why are the parents super cool with that? But I can't even bring my friends over to play on the front yard. So it's, it, I always found it so interesting. And I would argue these things with my parents at times. But then I said, you got to be careful because then all of a sudden you're not going to get anything. You'll get the black hole or you'll get Krampus. So, right. I mean, I can't win for anything, right? So I think the comparison is that they all just build memories and childhood fantasy. I think that's great. Yeah. That was a good question, actually. Check this out, Nadine. We got something that just came in from Chester. He says, every holiday appears to have a dark side. Why do you think that is? Hmm. Um, I think that people are attracted to the dark as much as they are to the light. I mm. think that 
um, I think that through time, people who are not into things that may be seen as like, oh, it's, you know, a religious holiday, like Christmas, religious holiday and gift giving and this and that, people who are more, let's say, Halloween prone are kind of, I, I don't know if outcasted is the right word, but maybe more judged. You know, maybe more judged because maybe people think that there's more. They have more of a gothic feel for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But there's less judgment if you follow something like you know, if you believe in Christmas, but more judgment if you believe in if you you know happen to like Halloween better. I just feel that for every holiday there is, if we're talking about myths, Santa, Easter Bunny, Leprechaun, Tooth Fairy, if we're talking about all of these things. And we're only talking about, well, there's the, the positive part. You have to understand the, you know, the, the person who wrote the question. You have to understand that myths and legends are not only limited to one perspective. So they're not all myths and legends are positive. There's, there's myths and legends that have a dark uh, undertone. And also, dark undertones are dependent on who you ask. Because somebody who's really into Krampus maybe mm-hmm. thinks that Krampus is not the bad guy. Maybe and they think Krampus is the one breaking into point. the home. You know, so I think I think it's just a matter of perspective, point. really. What hmm. do you think? I agree with you, and I'll share. I'll just add this. I think. Well, I hope people don't think that those of us who love Halloween, like you know, the Fright Talk guys do, and hopefully you too, Chester. I hope that you know that those who who really appreciate Halloween, I hope we're not blamed for the cause of Krampus actually, <laughs> because if you look at the history of it, it was a 14th and 15th, 14th slash 15th century legend, and that was a very religious time, <laughs> especially in Europe. And so it's interesting how this concept, this legend exists, and even now today, you're absolutely right about the judgment aspect. Well, I think also, too, people also recognize that even in celebrations, like right now, we're about to celebrate Christmas Eve next Friday. It'll be Christmas right. or Christmas Day, actually, is next Friday. Christmas, Christmas Day, Eve right. and Noche Buena is next Thursday. Next and Thursday. so in that time, there should be no accidents. And I will hope right. there'll be no deaths. But guess what? There is. You know, the Grim Reaper waits for no one, right? And so... At the end, I think some people are just more in, in celebrating a reality because you know, even though there is good, there has to be a balance for us to appreciate the good. And so that probably also supports, Chester, why the dark side also exists. And it doesn't mean that just because someone uh, acknowledges the dark means that they're totally dark in spirit. There's some incredible people who are walking around who, who also recognize and appreciate you know, horror, suspense, and all the things that are not so pretty in life. But they also are very honest citizens and make great contributions to their, work, their communities. However, I think it's just great that everything has a balance. And so if we didn't have a balance and everything was so perfect, then why would we need to celebrate? And so I think that also adds and lends itself to the reasons why we do look for those darker reaches. And we also need some, uh, an outlet to explain the things that don't go right, because not everything will. And so, hey, and if we can make it into a fictional movie, it makes it even better. And you at least got two watchers here. Well, maybe three with you too, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> that was an excellent question, by the way, Chester. Thank you it so was. much for that. That was a excellent very good question. question. Billy, I got one for you here. And we kind of answered a portion of this, and this is from Denver. And Denver writes into us almost every week, so thank you, Denver. Krampus reminds me of the Chupacabra. Oh, I love the legend of the Chupacabra. 
The difference is that Krampus is the arch nemesis of Santa. Dever, that depends on what story, that depends on what version of the story. Or do they work together? What do you think? So we kind of answered this already. Um, that in some stories they're arch enemies, and in other stories they were road buddies. Well, we can tell the age of Santa. You know, right? So if you had to yeah. age Santa, I mean, he's at least, what, 70? <laughs> 65, 70. And he's right. also has, you know, some health concerns because he's very overweight. And so we can see what Santa looks like. But Krampus, I can't tell what that is. I mean, as far as we know, he's a demon. He could be thousands of years old. And so is Santa, obviously. <laughs> so they do hang out together. I always wonder if they're twins or brothers. You know, it's kind of like the idea of, you know, the devil and Jesus, you know. Or we look at Poseidon versus Zeus. When we look at the differences between the two. Raw and set in, these, in Egyptology. You know, I'm looking at all these examples. There's, so I'm always wondering if there was some relation. And, I, and, and, and honestly, it would be kind of neat to see how that would play out. Unlike the Chupacabra, though. I mean, the Chupacabra doesn't have that much engagement with us. It's like right. the Bigfoot. It's on the peripheral legend, Correct. the legend yeah. category. Whereas Krampus can like, be up in your house, <laughs> invading right. your life, having some impact of who you are. The Chupacabra is only to be seen, <laughs> you know, unless yeah. and attack animals, the, 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 the chattel and all right. the things that are going on out in the fields at night, you know, in Puerto right. Rico, wherever it is. What do you think, Nadine? Well, you know, let me ask you this, Billy. I first of all, I agree with you 100% about how the chupacabra is more of an outer entity, <laughs> really focuses on, on attacking animals at night, usually farm animals at night, and, and that sort of thing. But Billy, do you think? And I'm just going to shoot this idea. Do you think that is it possible mm-hmm. that if there were a Santa, Santa and Krampus are one in the same, in which depending oh, no. on which house it goes to, it's Santa if it's a good child. And if it goes to a bad child's house, it's a Krampus. Could it be the same? That's a very good... uh, I love that. I never even thought of that. And let me also say this. And that makes Santa super creepy. Because the song says, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you've been awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So so be good for goodness sake. So it kind of could say, it could be like this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, all in the same character. That's a very good uh, assumption to make, actually. That would make yeah. for a great movie. Again, it would. that's another great option, actually. It would. It would. Copyright Fright Talk, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, I know that you, we, we're a little bit beyond the hour, half a quarter of the hour, but we see that your emails are coming in. I, I got a number of questions coming in now, Nadim. And thank you for those questions. You can still chat with us via live line at 347-539-5372. Again, at 347-539-5372. Or shoot us inbox messages or DM messages at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, frighttalkguys at gmail.com, or in tabs on Instagram. And so here's something, here's one that just came in from Jose, and I'm going to read it slowly so that you can get the gist of it. Jose writes, I think many of the Christmas legends are a way to keep children behaving well. Does scaring kids really work today? After all, they can see everything thanks to modern technology. That's a very good question because uh, he has Jose has an excellent point of how um, we do live in a society that is desensitized uh, because of the internet and specifically children and kids growing up. 
However, I think he, I think Jose could be correct in that. I would think though that even with children be desensitized in the modern age of technology we live in, it doesn't necessarily take away fear. Fear is a very real yeah, thing. That's a good point. So that's a good point. You may see a lot, mm-hmm. but do you still have fear? I mean, in our lives, we've seen more things than we can remember, Billy, but we still have fear of certain things, right? I mean, we're both – we would be fearful of drowning if that was a danger to us, right? So I, I don't think it takes away the fear aspect, but I absolutely agree with Jose that – Children are desensitized because of the media. So what do you think, Billy, about as far as the role that the media would play in maybe not keeping kids on point as they should be around the holidays? I think it's I think it is one of those legends that keeps kids in check. But then it's interesting because if they decide to get in check in, in the last hour, meaning the 12th month of the year, what the heck are you doing for the other 11 months? So why should we, we still reward you? And so if we go back to the old, uh, the, the lyrics of the old song, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, um, he's already been watching. So why are we going backwards? But I also think, too, what you said is true. There, so much shock and awe in our face. Nothing can shock this, this audience even more. And so for them, this is great laughter. I mean, you and I, we watch horror movies back in the day. I'll, I'll use one. What's the one that um, the little ball that flies around? Um, oh my gosh, Phantasm. Phantasm. Oh, and mm-hmm. so that movie creeps creeps me out to this day. You know, that, you know, and it's based in a mausoleum, there's all this weird stuff going on there. And so I look back at that movie and I'm thinking, why does it still creep me out? Kids today would be looking at that and laughing because they're like, oh, this is funny. He, 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 because nothing is left to the imagination for them anymore because technology has exposed them. And meaning they've gotten access, they can even go and watch clips of things. There and, and you shared it before about your own students. They know more things about our own generation than we do sometimes. Right, and so right. they become more desensitized. And I do feel that at the end of the day, I, Krampus is the legend of what it was worth before. I mean, we're talking, what, six, seven centuries back. Those times have passed. Now we're at a new generation, a new day. And so it doesn't have the same impact. It really is used for celebratory purposes, as we've seen as of late. Yeah. Yeah, very good question, by the way. It is a good very question. Good. That was a good question. Yeah. I have one here for you, Billy. Uh, okay. And this is going to be – this is all you. Jake writes, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of the Krampus movie, the original? I'm so, going to leave this one to you, Billy. <laughs> so I think the original was okay because it does – it introduces Krampus. I'll be honest. I – I knew of Krampus from, you know, my own legends and growing up once I arrived in college, but I had no idea this person or entity existed before age 21. And I also think it's because where we're at, we're in a Western culture, we have our own celebrations and things that, are, that creep us out. And so once I figured it out and that it exists, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is different. But yet there was, there's not much more to it, right? And so now, you know, we look at it going forward. I think the movie itself was a great introduction for those who are unfamiliar with what Krampus was. So it's definitely a decent watch. Um, is it one that, I'll say this to folks, is it one to look for for in terms of, oh, wow, shock and awe? We covered that in the last episode, folks. So go to our Apple podcast or to uh, Google Play and listen to the last podcast where we review Christmas horror-themed movies. But the one thing we said there was this. You can't go to these movies looking for something horrifying. 
it's right. a holiday and Christmas after all. Yeah, there's going to be some gore, there's going to be some scare, but it's not going to be as intense as the things that you get outside of the season. So don't go in expecting more, but go in expecting enough that really connect to the holiday in a meaningful way. And so I think that the movie was on a scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 7. All right. Excellent. And as you know, I, I've seen sub-movies of Krampus, but not the original. And the sub-movies are not very good at all, at least the ones I've seen. <laughs> and again, folks, I must admit, please go back into the archive and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> because Brother Fright Talk Tabs had a lot to say. <laughs> An hour and a half of my life, I'll never get back from watching that movie. <laughs> Hey, I got one coming in for you that I think you'll like. Listen to this one. Tim writes the following. The end of the year also gets me a little sad because I think of all the people we've lost along the year and in the years past. Do you feel like that sometimes? Um, yeah. I mean, to, to be honest with you, Tim, we probably are feeling that this year more than most. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are in a year like no other in, in modern history for us. We're dealing with a large amount of casualties. And no matter how, um, you know, Billy, you and I have both lost people along the way as, as mm-hmm. part of life, right? Uh, no matter how celebratory an event can be, it's hard not to think of those celebratory times you've spent with people who are no longer around. And yeah. that is perfectly, I, I want to make this clear, that is perfectly uh, a normal, genuine feeling. I feel that myself with uh, people who have, you know, passed on. There's not a Christmas that goes by that I don't think of my father or grandfather. And um, I, I think that's a very normal reaction. So it is, yes, of course, important to celebrate. But again, it's it's also important to remember that, you know, uh, just because people may be gone physically does not mean that they're gone from our memories or the times we shared with them. Right. I'll I'll add to this to that and say by saying this, the most distinct difference between Christmases that I recognize was the one between age seventeen and the one at age eighteen, uh, or I should say let me correct that the one at eighteen versus the one at age nineteen, because by eighteen I was in my freshman year in college, the nineteen I was in my sophomore year. Because when you're in, you're 18, you're still connected to home. You still have a sense of duty and identity right. in that circumstance. But then when you go to, when, when I got to 19, I start recognizing, wait a minute, the gifts aren't the same anymore. The attention is different. My responsibility level has risen. And so I start recognizing, oh, this is different now. And so not that I needed more gifts, but it was nice to be younger, to be waiting for your aunts and uncles to come by to drop off something or to find yeah. five, six, seven, eight things wrapped with your name tag on it. Right now right, it's right. like that one, you know, it's just different. It, I realized that moment, I'm like, oh, wow, this is so different. And then I started working in a store. Uh, I worked at Toys R Us uh, of Christmas of 93 to make money because I, I, I didn't work that fall because it was right after Hurricane Andrew. And I wanted to have money to buy some gifts for the family. So I worked there. And then I'm seeing all these families coming in. It was my first direct in, like in, engagement with people who were coming in to spend money to build memories for their kids. So I started seeing Christmas through adult lenses at that point. And that was so beautiful to watch. But it was also a little bit sad for me because I said, oh, my gosh, now I've graduated to a new class of celebratory 
individuals who look at Christmas as an adult. Like, oh right. my God, I'm here. And like what you said, Nadine, the, the moving on, here we are. And, and in 2020, my goodness, if there's one year where the tradition has to be just re- reinvented or remixed, it is 2020. And yeah. so, Tim, I do yeah. hope, you know, we hope here that Fry Talk brings you a little cheer. We appreciate your question. We, you know, we're here to help support you. Wishing you and yours a, a joyous holiday season and a peaceful new year. Absolutely. And I want to remind everybody, our wonderful listeners, um, that now is about that time that you can, I'm going to remind you if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. Of course, you could always email in your questions at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or at frighttalkguys at gmail.com. And you can always message us, Fright Talk Guys, on Instagram or N-T-A-B-S-C-H on Instagram as well. Wow. I have another question for you, Nadine. I got five here on my list. One, two, three, four, five are just popped in, FYI. So we'll do our best, folks, to get to them, and I'm sure Nadine may have a few as well. I have have some on my side as well, yeah. I'll ask this one. I think we'll be okay with the, the time, but this is interesting. The questions are deep. Jasper writes, have you all seen the latest um, interest to open haunted houses around Christmas time. It's happening all in the South. Have you attended one? And what do you think of all this? Um, so I, first of all, Jasper, I want to say that I think haunted houses should be around all year round as an attraction. It should not just be for Halloween time. Mm-hmm. I think that people enjoy a good scare and as the season goes on, if you if there's one of those haunted houses that's open not seasonally but year round, uh, I I would think that maybe they would change their theme of the haunted house based upon the holiday it is. So maybe it's a haunted house themed Christmas, you know. Maybe it is a haunted house uh, themed, you know, um, St. Patrick's Day. So I, I I I think there's nothing wrong with that uh, whatsoever. I haven't been to one holiday themed. So let me say I've ne- I've never been to a haunted house during Christmas time. But I'm definitely not opposed to the idea. I think it's actually a fabulous idea, especially if you live somewhere where you can have those hay rides and still enjoy that cooler weather where it's not freezing but still cooler weather. I actually think it would maybe even add an additional creep factor to it. What do you think, Billy? Have you ever heard of one? That would be super cool, Nadim. I agree with you. There is a location in Orlando. We're, we're located physically, folks, in Miami, Florida. But three hours up, or four hours, if you're taking the scenic route, um, is Orlando. And they have this place called Mortem Manor. It's a year-round haunted house. And I saw them on Instagram recently they are posting, and there's another one up in, in northern Florida somewhere, too, where they're posting this Krampus experience. And they're open for just a little while, like a few days. And they're open for just a couple days in the, in the weekend, like a weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they're taking scare them to a whole other level. And like what Nadim said is true. It'd be super cool to go and enjoy that with the weather it is now. Because when it's Halloween, waiting in those hotlines, sometimes yeah. it's, it's muggy, mosquitoes. At least right. if you're in the south, it's not so comfortable. But up in the fall, you get a true fall up in the north somewhere, you get more comfortable um, outdoor weather. So to have something like that, it is nice to, to do that. And, I, and Jasper, we've never done it. I honestly was hoping this year <laughs> to have done that. 
But unfortunately, we know the outcome. But hopefully in the future, we're able to enjoy that. That would be a super cool trip for us, Nadine, to enjoy at some point and to take the show on the road, just so to speak. And maybe, Jasper, if we do it, you can meet us there and be part of our meetup. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, Billy, I have one for you here from Nicole. Are there other Christmas legends out there that we may not know about? I know I have one in mind, but is there any that you'd like to share, Billy? Um, so the one that I heard, okay, in Norway, there's this lady called Lucy, her, so Lucy is spelled L-U-S-S-I, okay, and she's this interesting legend that walks around um, for the night before December 13th, which is called Lucy's night, by the way, of course, it would be the 13th day of the month, right, number 13, night when evil spirits and demons uh, would rise and wander the earth during the winter, and children needed to be good. Here we go. The children need to be good. And then adults right. warded off evil by protecting their homes with the sign of the cross. And this lady, Lucy, would walk around. She was this woman who would dress in all white and walk around the town wearing all white, carrying this cross, scaring and creeping people out. So to me, and I think of Lucy, I also think of the Lucy from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because Dracula's yeah. interest was also in Lucy. So I thought that was very interesting that that would all tie in. And so she, and, and there was a religiosity to that storyline as well, too. So Lucy is one. And the other one that I heard of is called the, the Car- I wrote it here. It's called the Caracon, the Caracon, the Caraconcolis. Oh, yes. The Caraconcolis. And it's, it's Middle Eastern. And it's, it's actually a, a cross between the devil and the Sasquatch. So yeah. I don't know how that's any different than, than, than Krampus. But it also is another... I'm sure there are others. I don't know if you heard any more, Nadine. Uh, well, the Caraconculus, uh, which you had mentioned, that one, as you said, is from the Middle East. And that one is, you're right, it's actually called like almost like the Christmas Bigfoot, in which uh, during Christmas time, they will lure people out of their house different ways, and they'll ask them a riddle. And if the person doesn't respond to the riddle using the word black, they harm the person some way, shape, or form. And so that that's the the general uh, storyline. And and by harm the person, I mean they they give them a death blow. <laughs> um, but um, believe it or not, there is the mistletoe. Actually, is originally a ghost story. Okay, hmm. so the mistletoe is a ghost story written through a poem in which talks about a bride that was going to get married on Christmas Day or around Christmas time. During the bridal celebration, um, they were playing the game of hide-and-go-seek, and nobody ever found the bride, mm-hmm. ever, in the game, and they thought that it was in the game of hide-and-seek, and they thought the bride had taken off, or whatever the case is. Well, sometime later, they, you know, uh, sell the house that they were going to do the reception, whatever, they go into the attic, they find a box, they find in there the bride with the bouquet, right, and the skeleton of the bride hmm. with the bouquet. She had hid in there, but the box she hid in shut tight, and she couldn't get out. And so that's a poem that is said to be a true story. But then uh, from there, it spawns into a ghost story from the house in uh, England, I believe, um, where they believed that it was, you know, they would hang the mistletoe as a fad to ward off the ghost. Hmm. So uh, I know Charles Dickens had um, had written uh, something about it uh, after the Christmas Carol. He had read the poem somewhere, and he wrote like a thank you note to the person who wrote the poem. 
And so it, the mistletoe story is actually originally a poem called, I believe it's the ghost of the mistletoe or something to that effect. So where do people start kissing under it? <laughs> I don't know. So Maybe because of the, bride, the whole bride uh, portion of ah, it. That's um, interesting. Okay, got it. That's a but, great, but, I did not know that. That's a great yeah, legend, actually. By tradition, yeah, I'm reading this off uh, my MerryChristmas.com. By tradition, kissing under the mistletoe and being given a berry from the spring of the mistletoe means a girl is destined to become married in the year ahead, and that mistletoe connection connects to the girl that was supposed mm. to be married uh, during Christmas time, who did oh. not get married because she died in a game of hide and seek. So if I just ruined mistletoes for everybody, I'm sorry. Well, that's just like, remember, we talked about this a couple of months ago with Halloween traditions, uh, lighting a candle and then a lady lighted, lit a, a male lit a candle, right. the silhouette of the lover of his life will be standing behind him. Okay, that's freaking creepy. And this woman's still alive. So her soul's going to leave her body to come hang out with you to let you know of the future. So these, these traditions like you're bringing up are very, I think this is great, actually. These legends are, well, here's one thing for you very quickly. The 12 days of Christmas, okay? Like, I know every single day from 12 to 1, right? And each of the days and what they represent. Someone told me one time that the 12 days of Christmas was actually, uh, you know, a, a it's almost like the Ring Around the Rosie story. It has a dark legend or, or a backstory behind it. I don't know that. I don't know if you know it as well, Nadine, or have I you know, heard anything like I that. I do not. I know the Ring Around the Rosie, the pocket full of posies, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, Black Death, the plague, and, mm-hmm. and that. But I, I not that I... It doesn't sound familiar to me, but now I'm really interested. So at some point, I'm going to have to research this. Yeah, very interesting. I never heard of that. That definitely is interesting indeed. Here's a question for you, Nadine. Nadia wants to know, do today's holiday legends focus too much on children being eaten or held in captivity for some weird reason? It seems to be the trend in some of the classic Christmas horrors. Yeah, and uh, Nadia is absolutely right because a lot of the times, the stories do not hold adults accountable. It's only children. Yeah. It's only children. So there is a, a cruelness to it, absolutely. And we know that we have some wonderful adults in this world, and we have some terrible adults in this world. So um, definitely more terrible adults than there are terrible children. You know, mm. So it's kind of weird as the stories go that they don't hold uh, adults accountable. I mean, you know, A Christmas Carol in which – one person in particular, a Scrooge, is you know visited by three ghosts. Okay, that part you're you're kind of holding accountable. But do we have as adults the uh, if we don't abide by this, this and that will happen? No, but also because we're adults and we don't believe those things. So, but but I do believe that the stories and the legends they really don't focus around having adults being held accountable, only children. So hmm. I, I agree with not absolutely right. Do you remember the movie by M. Night Shyamalan called The Village? And oh, yeah. Where the, the, the creature will walk around, and then we all know how yeah. the ending. No yeah. spoiler here, but folks, be disappointed. So yeah, well, at the end of that movie, so, you, know. you know, I thought it was so right, right? And so I thought it was so cool because I my thought, my thought it was different. I thought the PR behind it was great. But then, again, in that particular example, it was actually one of the few modern tales we actually are holding the adults accountable from something historic or legendary. Right. And what right. Nadine said is true. We do not see the adults being held accountable. It's a whole lot of scared them towards kids. And here's something else. The thought of a child being harmed is already horrific enough, right? Yeah. Uh, at least for me, and I, we, we talked about this episodes ago at the very start of our, our series, 
when I when I shared the fact that not seeing children being murdered or mutilated in the movies was not cool. Now everybody's right. fair game right. now in every movie, and so and actually people are laughing when it happens. So I think before to have such harm brought to children in that regard, it was seen horrific. No differently than what Jonathan Swift did in a modest proposal when he proposed to eat the children to fix the problems in Ireland, and so uh, it's so that that. The satire there, even though it was all for fun, he was poking fun at something serious. I guess it does the same here as long as it actually doesn't happen to children, Nadia. <laughs> and so I thought that was interesting, just a, an interesting question. And thank you for bringing it up. That was very interesting. That was good. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and remind everybody because we're approaching the final 15 oh, wow. minutes of our show. And we, I know we have a ton of questions to get to, Billy. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So if you'd like to call in 347-539-5372, again, the number is 347-539-5372. And I know I don't have to tell you to email because we're already seeing that happening at frytalkguys at gmail.com or everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com as well. And you can send us a message through Instagram at ntabs or at Fright Talk Guys. Hmm. And I do have another question here for you, Billy, but you kind of already answered this one. This is from Maria. It says, Kramer's okay. story is similar to the Caraconcolos of the Middle East. She put, I think, <laughs> that's the Christmas Bigfoot we were talking about. Why do all these demons look half devil and half something else? Oh, that's a very good question. And Part of it goes back to what Nadim said at the beginning of the show, the whole idea of there's a lot of animal symbolism in, 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 in religion, you know, like the lion, goats, for instance, um, the elephants. They all do have symbolic representation. The goat, however, is one that is always one of sacrifice, right? And so it's interesting how, therefore, it makes sense to make this Krampus have goat-like features because it is the iconic animal of sacrifice, from the living, um, you know, besides yeah. human, part one. Two, the idea that it's interesting because when we look at the other lycanthropes that can exist from others, like werewolves, werebats, werecats, here yeah. we have an actual goat. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out, so yeah, I can, it, it has all this religious context. The Krampus looks like the devil. It has the horns like him. The only difference is black. It's not red, it's black. And I also feel that it, it adds another layer to this whole, well, Christmas is Christmas, right? So it has that, the namesake of religion in the holiday. And even though we don't pronounce it that way anymore as we, they did in the Middle Ages, I think that what's happening now is that people are really seeing this understanding of these demons always seem to have these, uh, they don't, they have human qualities, but they take animalistic forms. And so yeah. they're hybrids of animals and humans combined. They often are the very things that we don't want to even fantasize or, or create. They seem to be a hybrid of those realities. And so it just makes for great lore or iconic creation. Yeah, I agree with you. And if you think too, so for example, in the movie, The Witch, one of my favorite horror movies, mm -hmm. uh, the devil takes on the form of a black goat in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, at some point, the devil takes on the form of a black goat. And so that I think whenever somebody is creating or, or you know, dolling up this idea of what a demon should look like, when they want to give it that um, hellish look or give it that devil association, they'll try to throw some sort of goat 
mix into it. Mm-hmm. And of course, also, you know, goats um, have long been associated with sacrifice and, and that sort of thing as well. Excellent question, Maria. Thank you so much. Do you remember the old saying, like, you know, you don't want to be the black sheep of the family, right? Correct. And so yeah. there's another example of another middle age joke or pun that has carried over into our, our modern lexicon. And that is the fact that you don't want to be different. And it's so sad because here we go with this colorism. <laughs> Poor animal. Usually it's a sheep or a goat that's getting the lower end of this. And they do so much for us, <laughs> by the way, these animals. But interesting enough, it's also that saying and phrase is carried over so well. Nobody wants to be the black sheep. So it also furthers the idea that well, naturally it makes sense to make Krampus the goat, right? And I also right. too, I should share with folks a, a shout out to the King, um, the Kingston uh, publishers. They published this great, and I, I was sharing this with Adeem, this great anthology or, or trilogy, I should say, of comic books that take the entire Bible and, and make it very gra- graphic novel-like. The, the graphics are stunning, stunning, and the comments are so beautiful online. And many folks who are reading it are both theologists and, and non-theologians. And so I'm going to be reading it because I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I love graphic novels and, 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 and fascinated yeah. with the storylines. So I like to see how that a lot of folks are giving them to their children as ways to teach them about the Bible, actually. And so it's a very interesting thought. I'm wondering what more can be said out of there when I'm reading it. I'm sure when we look at the book of Genesis and other things like that, there is some religious context of why this goat keeps coming up for these demons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that because people, so as time passes and people continuously make those associations, if they're creating new demons, they're always somewhere in their mind, they're always going to try to bring that same description. Right, 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 right. right. It's, already, it's already like in their brain of what they've seen and what they've associated with it. So let's say, okay, well, I'm going to make the demon look different, but he's going to have horns. I'm going to make the demon look different, but he's going to have hooves as legs instead. He'll have legs, you know, legs of goats with hooves and stuff like that. So I, I do think that as people are kind of predisposed to seeing those things already, when if they wanted to, if somebody were writing a story, creating a movie, and trying to create a new type of demon, I think that their brain may not allow them to think outside the box because of what they've been predisposed to already. Mm, good point. Yeah, new books and stuff like that. Hey, the Dean, check this out. This one's from Jennifer. She says, it will be interesting to see a Christmas movie based on COVID-19 and or 2020. What mm. would a COVID monster look like? A politician. That's what a COVID monster would look like. A politician. Any politician <laughs> will do. <laughs> and um, yes, there are quite a few examples to choose from, Jennifer. And if you, <laughs> I, I, we don't, yeah. there are quite a few. But you know what? Because every time you see the virus, I mean, the virus in itself is a big blob. So I don't want to see a monster that looks like that, right? Yeah, but yeah. if, you know, I mean, think about this. There, were there as many, Nadim, 9 11 horror films? No, 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 and th- there was not, not at all. And because 9/11 was horrific on its own, it didn't right. need the additional scare because that's what it is. And also, it's something that hits too close to home for so many people, and obviously with good reason. That if they were to try to spin that into any type of horror movie, the backlash would be absolutely ridiculous, and rightfully so because that's already a horrific event in and of itself. So, but so therefore, with that in mind, do you think there's there are boundaries as well for COVID? I think there are. 
I think there okay. are because um, n- not that somebody won't do it, but, you know, folks, we've lost a lot of people this year. And that to, to create a horror movie about COVID, again, we are living the horror every day. Yeah, to relive it may be too much. To relive it again may not be uh, the, the greatest idea. A lot of times when we watch horror movies, it's because these are things that we – Enjoy the scare, but we know we will not experience ourselves. We don't have to worry about camping out as teenagers in Crystal Lake and somebody with a hockey mask coming by. We don't have to worry about, you know, for the most part, um, somebody with knives as fingers coming into our dreams. And so that is the allure of horror movies. But there is a fine line between uh, horror movies and then taking something that genuinely, as a people as a society has been horrific already to try to add another horror element to it. It's horrifying enough as it is. The time we're living in is not an easy time. And so to try to spin that in any way, that's even, I don't know how to make that more horrifying than what it already is. Put it that way. Well said. Do you think this is the, it, 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 it really could strike nerves. It could, it, but you know what though? I wouldn't be surprised if there was like an allusion to uh, alluding to it, and like some story backstory of building or developing the plot of a film or a series. For instance, do you remember the the show Penny Dreadful? That I wish they had not removed because it really had great promise. It used to come on Showtime, and you can w- now watch it on Netflix. It is so good. It's only three seasons, and it's so creepy cool. And so Penny Dreadful, there were episodes where like there was one episode where like for like three minutes. It took place, or there was a, a, a reminiscence of on the bubonic plague, right? So I'm wondering if there will be like a moment when building the backstory of some character, there will be the right. COVID plague, right? The COVID era and what that looks like and how that helped develop or influence the character's development in the, the evolving evolution of the character in the storyline. So I'm curious to see if that may come up. So I think that um, I agree with you. I think it will. Um, it's too sensitive, but I don't think it'll be off limits in terms of just as a backdrop element to help further develop it, the reasons or justifications of character development of an evolving character in the story. I think that would be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I got and, one. Oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry, you go ahead. With your comment? No, you go no, first. No, and then no. There was one question that just popped in all of a, out of nowhere, actually. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that as far as uh, a COVID monster, I say a politician Krampus may be more likable, but I also want to say, say that I know actually quite a few politicians, and they're very good people. So that this this is that comment in general was for more of uh, let's uh, say Washington D.C. Uh, politicians who happen, you know, maybe they work in Congress. That would be a, <laughs> that, that that would be a, a scary uh, be a scary monster. Ooh, see guys, it's it's holiday season. You see what you've done in the dean? You got brother fright talk here lit. Okay, he's lit. And here's one question for us here from Juanita. Great show and good insights. Are Christmas holiday movies overrated? Depends on the movie. Yeah, Depends I agree. I think that some people enjoy their Hallmark movies, and I think some people absolutely loathe their Hallmark movies. I do think that some Christmas movies are overrated or um, maybe just played out. Maybe just played out because every year, you know, it, it, it'll pop up. And but um, yeah, I think there's some uh, some Christmas movies that are definitely overrated. I I think in any genre, you'll find movies that are overrated. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, mm-hmm. Billy? Yeah, I do. I do. 
I think you'll find them all. I think, but you know what? It's Christmas. It's only one time a year. So I would say if I don't want to listen to it, I just don't watch it. Juanita, that's for you, really. You know, if there's something that we don't like and we feel is overrated, we just tune out. I mean, for years, Charlie Brown comes on TV. Now it's not right. showing anymore. Is that overrated? You know, people are up in arms from my generation. Oh, no, you're not showing Charlie Brown or Frosty the Snowman. But there's a younger generation who could not give a crap, right? And so right. it doesn't mean that it's a bad show, but it just ran its, its, its day. So, But it still means we have options that we didn't have before that we could still go and enjoy it, like a Netflix or Prime or, or Hulu. There are options available, or cable TV. So it, it, it definitely is a great question. I think that some movies are overrated, but you get it for every category. And, and Nadine, one more question just popped in, and this is actually a great way to segue to where we're going in 2021. Will the Fright from Todd, he wants to know, will the Fright Talk guys visit some scary places in the future? That would be cool. So, you know that we spoke a couple of weeks ago where mm-hmm. I am planning something for us to do a live show from, um, let's call it a haunted mansion here in Miami. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is in the works. It is definitely in the works. And um, it's in the works. And in that one, we, we've even discussed perhaps maybe live filming. And that that would be well. super. And I have yeah. to tell you, brother, I have a gimbal coming. Thank you, Amazon. I bought a very nice gimbal from on Amazon yet last night. And, and, and I mean, the prices are super good now, folks. If you're trying to get lighting and all kinds of stuff for the things you want to do for some of your projects, like your YouTubing or video work, get them now because the sales are good. And so I bought a nice gimbal that does three axle with my phone on it. And I'll be able to do all that stuff. So when we go, we're going to really get footage. We're definitely going to do that. So Todd, definitely we're looking to do it, of course, when the, when the environment is safe. Right now, safety right. first. We want people to do what's most conscientious, not only for themselves, but for humanity. And that is to, to, to stay safe and, you know, and not convene in places and not take the risk. The risk is not worth it. There'll be plenty of time for celebration later. Right now, we need to preserve humanity. So until right. that time comes, we're going to celebrate virtually, just like we're doing right now. <laughs> I agree. And I want to give a shout out to, uh, so I ordered, uh, there's uh, this Instagram page, Delicio Chocolate Heart. So that's, uh, for those of you, you got to give them a follow and order from them. It is D-E-L-I-S-I-O-C-H-O-C-O-H-E-A-R-T. And Billy, they do these chocolate hearts. They'll write any message you want on it. They give you a mallet to smash the heart, which is phenomenal. So if you ever... Those of you out there that plan to break up with somebody, this is good too. Go ahead and order those. I just want to give them a shout out because I ordered one today. It came in and it was absolutely phenomenal. So thank you, Fabiana Delicio. Thank you, Delicio Choco Heart. And then I also want to give a special shout out to my friend Billy Jones because before this is episode number 10, 10 hours of content mm-hmm. on Google Play and Apple iTunes. Go ahead and listen in. And before we end the season, I want to thank my friend Billy. It was his idea to come up with this show and to bring me into it. And my friend, I am grateful to you. Uh, as a friend, as a brother, I appreciate everything, and thank you for taking me on this journey with you. I truly, truly appreciate it. And I did all the same sentiment, brother. I could not have done this without you. We have built Fright Talk. And those of you who are listening, I mean, this is a great man here, and we do this for you folks. So let's keep horror alive in 2021. Join us January 1st, 2020 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our New Year's Variety Show where you'll get a preview of what's coming in 2021. So stay tuned, folks. Until then, stay safe, enjoy your holiday, and have a peaceful holiday and a joyous new year. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thank you.